So, you want to become an even greater influencer and persuader. Let's get into this then. Now, what's the difference? If that's where you want to be, what is the difference between influence and persuade? Well, the primary difference is that persuasion requires a form of communication, whereas influence, well, not so much. I suppose you could say that influence is not always deliberate, whereas persuasion is kind of always intentional. Now, I'll get under the skin of this and kind of bring it to life, but let's just pretend for one moment that you are in a car, you're driving along the road, and there's nothing wrong with your car, and you're not breaking any laws or anything like that. You're just driving along, and a police car pulls in behind you. Now, that police car isn't flashing its lights. It's not trying to pull you over. It's just driving behind you. Now, as you continue down the road, when you turn right, the police car turns right. When you turn left, the police car turns left. Is it reasonable to suggest that over time, as that continued to happen, you would begin to indicate at the right time and start to check your speed to make sure you're not going over the speed limit and things like that? Okay. Now, that police car hasn't spoken to you. It hasn't uh, tried to pull you over or anything like that, but it is influencing your behaviour. And so that's what influence is. It's kind of an intangible thing. Now, what we need to do is perhaps get under the skin of that a little bit and see how we can take advantage of that to be able to influence other people, but also be mindful of how perhaps others are using it on us. Now, the simple fact of the matter is you already influence other people, be that through the clothes that you wear or the actions that you take or maybe the car that you drive. Rightly or wrongly, these things will be influencing how others perceive you. I'll bring this to life with a couple of other examples. Have you ever been in the workplace, you've been busy at your desk and somebody's walked over and asked you a question and in that moment you're thinking to yourself, oh my word, why are you asking me that question when I know that the answer is on the internet or it's on a notice board in the kitchen environment or had you read my email you would have seen the answer to that question. And so while you haven't actually said this out loud, there might be a narrative going through your head that's thinking, oh my God, will you stop wasting my time? I can't believe you've come over here to ask me that. So you can see that even at a most basic level, simply asking a question of another or being asked a question influences us. How about this one? Have you ever been asked to deliver a presentation? And 90% of that presentation you were very, very comfortable with. It was a walk in the park. However, it was just a small part of that presentation you knew you were a little bit wobbly with. And there you were, you had to deliver the presentation, everyone was watching you. And for 90% of it, you were on fire, full of confidence, delivering that message, you felt great. Now, you got to that one little bit that you felt a bit wobbly about, and you managed to get past it nice and quickly. And then somebody from the audience says, oh, actually, could you, could you just stop a second? Sorry, I didn't quite catch that last bit you were talking about. I'm not entirely sure I understood it. Can you just go back to it and repeat it, please? Now, in that moment, you could go one of two ways. You could turn around and say, uh, that's a really good question. Actually, right here, right now, I haven't got the answer for you. But I tell you what, let me just park that and I'll, I'll come back to you at the end. However, because you've been super confident up till now, you make the error of deciding to go down that road and explain what you don't actually really know what you're talking about. And you know when you start those types of conversations and you get like a brain fog and you hear the words coming out of your mouth, but you'd have got no idea where you're going with those words. Well, that is what's going to happen. And the audience is going to then see you going from somebody who was full of confidence because up till then, 90% of the content you knew inside out. Whereas now they're seeing somebody who's perhaps shifting on their feet a little bit more, 
umming and ahhing, and rightly or wrongly, in their minds, they are perhaps going to be thinking, oh, I thought you were a subject matter expert, but actually I'm beginning to doubt that. Now, of course, these actions don't mean to say that you're not a subject matter expert anymore, but the actions have influenced how other people are now perceiving you. And this is where influence is such a big thing. And if we continue to take that example and apply it to the workplace, then you can see how role modelling as perhaps a manager or as a leader can be huge when it comes to others viewing us in a potentially positive or potentially negative light. So these are huge things and can actually make a really, really big difference to those people around us with regards to our levels of credibility. How about this one? There's another example. Have you ever been in a meeting and you've been there as part of this meeting when somebody arrives late and they apologise for arriving late and they get involved in the meeting? But you can see when you look at them that while they're there in the room, they're kind of not there in the room. You can see that what they've got going in their mind, they're being distracted with regards to whatever it was that had perhaps delayed them. Now, if we just turn it on its head and you're the one that arrives late to a meeting and you try and bluff your way through that actually you are fully present when you're not, people are likely to see right through that. And once again, they will be conjuring up their own narrative as to why it is or isn't that you are fully engaged or not fully engaged in that meeting. And you're far better off just calling it out. I'm so sorry for arriving at this meeting late. I've just had a tough conversation with a major client. And if I seem somewhat distracted, that's the reason. And that way you're getting rid of the elephant in the room. I tell you what, let me just continue to expand upon this and just demonstrate how much of a minefield this whole influence piece is. So have you ever come across somebody who's just spoken miles too loudly or much too softly? Or perhaps when they've been speaking, it's just been just a real lack of clarity. So you haven't really fully understood what it is somebody is saying to you. Or perhaps they've got a really squeaky voice or a very, very low sounding voice. Perhaps when they talk, they're very, very fast or very, very slow. Maybe it's been inappropriate sarcasm that you've experienced from somebody else. Or perhaps it's their accent and you've really struggled to get a grasp as to what somebody is saying to you. Perhaps it's somebody with a ton of confidence, miles too much confidence for you. Or how about awkward eye contact with somebody else? Or there's another one, uh, somebody with just so much enthusiasm, but it felt just inappropriate for the theme that was being shared with you. Or how about somebody who's an awkward space invader? So the way they positioned themselves just made you feel uncomfortable within the environment in which you were both engaged. Why am I sharing all these examples with you? Think about your mindset. Think about what was going through your head when you were experiencing that thing from somebody else. Now, it could be highly positive, but it could also be that you formed opinions of that individual based upon what you were observing. And guess what? People do exactly the same about you. So that awkward space invader or overly enthusiastic, happy clapper you had in front of you just the other day that made you feel a certain way. This is influence in play. So knowing what we know now, this is why getting to better understand how influence works can really make the difference for us both personally and professionally. All right, let's start digging deeper into this. Chances are you've either been at the receiving end of some of what I'm about to share with you, or you tap into some of these in order to be able to influence and persuade other people. Now, it's highly likely you won't even have noticed 
some of this stuff being used to influence you. And chances are, when you use these themes, you're probably not actively going out of your way to use a particular style. But what's cool about what I'm about to share with you is that now you can be a little bit more artful in your approach. And you never know, you might start to get results that you hadn't been able to get in the past. So the first one sounds like this. Oh, come on. It's obvious you should apply for that role. You're more than qualified. And it's that dream role you've always been talking to me about. So what we're talking about here from an influencing perspective is reasoning. And this involves tapping into valid information because what you're using is evidence as key for somebody to be able to make their next decision. How about this one? Imagine the difference this will make to you and your family. Well, this is inspiring. And what we're doing from an influencing perspective is tapping into others' values or focusing on emotions. Now, this one does require real passion and a belief in order to be able to deliver effectively. The third one on our list, we've actually already covered, and that's asking questions. So this would sound like, how would you like to have financial freedom and peace of mind? Now, we have already talked about how asking questions influences others. The key thing about asking questions is that while it's easy to use, you can't actually be sure of how somebody else will respond. But have a listen once more to that question. How would you like to have financial freedom and peace of mind? That's the type of question that you would perhaps get on an advert. And you can see how this stuff works. It prompts you to start thinking, oh yeah, I'd quite like to have financial freedom and peace of mind. What actions do I need to take in order to be able to obtain that? Oh, there's the number on the screen. Let me dial that up. So this stuff can be very, very powerful. And as you can see, it is used to influence us on literally a daily basis. Okay, here comes another. What an incredible place you've got here. So you'll be unsurprised to learn that's flattery. Now, what you need to be mindful here is that with flattery, people can see through that. So if you are going to use flattery, what you're better off doing is backing that up with some evidence as well. Wow, what an incredible place you've got here. The reason I say that is because when so-and-so was over here, they were just blown away by what you've done with whatever. Now, this may seem like a bit of a lame one, but actually, if you've greater power, in inverted commas, than somebody else, then it's relatively easy to use. And have a little think about it. Imagine if somebody senior in your place of work turned around to you and said, oh, I always knew you'd be a valued member of the team. And it was delivered with sincerity. That is a form of flattery. And I'd be willing to bet that if that came from somebody who had greater power than you, then that would probably make you feel good and you'd respond in a positive way. So the next one on our list, I'm pretty sure you would have done on countless occasions. If you do this for me, then I'll do that for you. So what we're talking about here is doing a deal, simply a form of negotiation. Help me out and, and I'll do that for you. Or one that's really similar is, oh, any chance you can help with so-and-so, do me a favour. I could really do with your help. So those two, I'd be willing to bet you probably tap into on a fairly regular basis. Now, how about this one? Now, this one is used on us all of the time. Literally everybody does this. And simply in that sentence, I've used it to try and influence you. It's what's called silent allies. Oh, everybody is doing this at the moment. People just like you are doing it in this way. You'll hear language like that on social media, 
on television adverts, on the radio. What it's basically doing is making you feel as if if you're not following the crowd, then you're not quite doing something right. The silent allies bit is just that. It's nameless people that are being used as evidence that you are not doing something that everybody, in inverted commas, are doing. It, it, it is literally random nonsense. And you're totally within your rights when people do this or say this or stuff to you to turn around and say, well, give me evidence. Show me five people that are actually doing this. Name them. Show me what they're doing. Otherwise, you are literally falling into the trap of feeling as if, oh my God, I'm missing out, which is exactly what the person who's trying to influence you is attempting to get you to think. Gosh, I'm going to miss out if I don't do this thing. Now, the final two are very much linked to power. So it's worthwhile us just changing lanes briefly and exploring the theme of power. So, Let's think about you and whatever it is that you do for a career. It may well be that you are a manager of people or you head up a department or something like that. So you have what's called legitimate power. Or maybe you're a parent, so you have legitimate power when it comes to you interacting with your children. It could be that you have power over others because you are privy to information that other people haven't got. Or perhaps you are an expert in your field. And so there's a very limited number of people that know what you know or can do what you can do, have the skills that you've got, which in turn gives you an element of power. Or it could be that you're very well connected. So you know people of power. So when people are interacting with you, they are aware that you know somebody of authority. And so that would influence their behaviour or perhaps what it is that they do and don't do or say to you at times. And then there's another element of power, which is purely likability. <laughs> Think about people that perhaps you watch on YouTube or you view on social media, people who are charming and charismatic, that they carry with them a form of influence. But it's highly intangible, but nonetheless, they have a form of power. So let's just take this back then into the themes of influence. Well, we've got authority, and we've got force. Now, both of these you have to be cautious with because they're kind of more linked to compliance rather than getting somebody to commit to something. And they can absolutely, in the wrong hands, impact upon the quality of your relationships. So there's definitely a health warning here. Use with caution. But here's a couple of examples. Authority would sound like your boss turning around to you and saying, I'd like that report done by Tuesday afternoon. And force would sound like, right, it's my way or the highway. Do this or else. And as you can see from that last one, you're not going to win too many friends if you go around trying to influence people using that type of language. Of course, there is a time and a place for some of this stuff. If there's a fire that's broken out, then it's probably a time to better turn around to others and say, use that door and use it now. Get out of here. <laughs> So all of these tactics are applicable. You just need to make sure you know when and how is most appropriate. And that is what I'll briefly explore right now before we move on to what's called the four P's of persuasion. So as you recall, right at the very start, I asked you, what is the difference between influence and persuade? And I highlighted the primary difference is that persuasion requires a form of communication. So let's just say for argument's sake, you are trying to persuade some other people right here, right now. How are you going to go about doing it? Are you going to do it in a style that's warm and friendly and open? Or do you need to be demanding, challenging and directive? And what about the content? So what about the facts or the information? 
And don't forget, you can't rely upon just one form of communication to change somebody's mind. You may need to repeat that message over and over. So what is persuasion actually made up of? Well, an easy way to remember is the four P's. And the four P's stand for power, positioning, performance, and politeness. Now, power, we have already explored this. So it's literally the perception others have of your power, be that legitimate power or expertise or the connections that you have. Then there's what's called positioning. So it's the way that other people think and talk about you. And the really easy thing to remember here is what are people saying about you when you leave the room? And that can really inform the way that you role model day to day. Then there's performance. So it's how people view your level of competence. Do they view you as a subject matter expert? So when you're talking about certain things, if they know that you've been there and done it, that is going to influence your level of persuasion. And then the final P is politeness. And guess what? People tend to do things for people when they're asked politely, when they are respected, and when people view you as being kind and considerate. So the final P, definitely not a complicated one and certainly a relatively easy one to get right. I'm thinking it may also be advantageous for me to provide some other reference material if you are really genuinely interested in this theme. Some really great books are Robert Cialdini's Influence. The book is actually called Influence. And he also wrote a book called Presuasion. Highly recommended. And then there's another book by Chris Voss called Never Split the Difference. And he explores what's called the Behavioural Change Stairways model, which was created by the FBI. And that is about listening, building empathy, creating rapport. And through doing so, you are able to influence and change other people's behaviours. And he was the head negotiator for the FBI. And so what he has to share is incredibly powerful. And Chris Voss has done masterclasses and the stuff on YouTube with TED Talks and stuff like that. Now, one final thing. Here's some food for thought for you. Now, I'm going to make a massive assumption that you're working at the moment. Think about it. When you are talking to key stakeholders, when you're talking to customers and you're talking to clients, what are the chances that when you interact with other people on a professional level, that they perhaps go and do a little bit of social media stalking. So what do I mean by that? So perhaps they go on to LinkedIn and have a little look at your profile. So let's pretend that I am a customer or a client of yours, and I have got you contacting me to try and influence and persuade me to buy something or do something for you. And I've got somebody else from some other organisation doing the exact same thing. So I'm undecided as to who I think I should engage with. So I go on to LinkedIn and I see your profile. And on your profile are a couple of posts that you did maybe two or three years ago. And then I go on to the profile of the other person and they've got regular videos that they've created. They've got posts. They're talking about their industry. They're talking about what they feel are the movers and shakers in their industry. Perhaps they've also got professional profiles on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. YouTube. Now, rightly or wrongly, who is more likely to be more influential to me? The person who I can see who's talking about stuff that may or may not be of value to me, or your profile, of which there's very little. Now, I do get it. It's not for everybody. But in our world today, it's incredibly digitally led. And if you're not doing the stuff I've just mentioned, 
and your competition are, the chances are they're going to be more influential in some way, shape or form than you. Now, it's not everyone's cup of tea. And I certainly don't want to sound as if I'm beginning to preach. All I'm saying is this theme, influence and persuasion, we need to tap into all of those mediums that we can that's perhaps going to raise our profile, elevate our brand in some way, shape or form. Be that for job interviews, be that as a role model to our team members, be that as an influence to the key stakeholders that we come into contact with on a daily, weekly or monthly basis. It's fascinating, isn't it? Influence and persuasion. You'd think we'd be masters at it. It's literally stuff that we do day in, day out. But what's nice about what we've just explored is now we can apply some tactics, some techniques to becoming just a little better at our approach when it comes to getting others to do what it is we want them to do. Thank you so much for once again being here to listen to this podcast. I have a ton of others. So if personal and professional development is your thing, and I can only assume that it is because that's why you're here, go check them out. And hopefully I'll see you again here soon.